Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Redefining Possible, the game-changing guide to overcoming barriers and accomplishing your goals, is now available in a newly revised and expanded edition. Author Ron Alford. There were some very specific updates that we wanted to work on, and the goal was to take this from really good to great. The overriding theme is impact. What does significance really mean? The character traits that I want to be known for, that I wanted this book to be about, things like vision, having a purpose for one's life, things like how do I plan my time more effectively, how do I have boundaries, things like how do I reframe beliefs. These are truths that bring my mind back to center. Stuff that people can use not just in the boardroom, but things they can use when they go home with their own children or when they have their own routines or their own quiet time where they're wrestling with their thoughts. Redefining Possible will inspire you to get outside of your box and live a happier, healthier life. When you order Redefining Possible today at redefiningpossible.com. All right, guys, today we have a special guest, Will Bartholomew, who is the founder and the president of D1 Sports Training. Now, Will is an entrepreneur. He's a college football champion with Tennessee, went on to play professionally, and then started D1, which has been wildly successful. We're excited to have you here on the podcast, Will. Welcome. Really appreciate you having me on and making me a part of this amazing book that you got coming out. I can't wait to read it. You know, you're featured in the chapter on building belief systems in our book. Before we hop in, give the audience a little bit more of your background and your story. Love it. Yeah, I'll give you the uh, the cliff note version, the, the flyover. So grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, was like you mentioned, an athlete, um, had, had a real passion for sports and, uh, you know, it was one of those things I knew early on, this is what I wanted, wanted to do and wanted to, to be, um, I didn't know all the, the twists and turns that would get me to where I am today, but, uh, was fortunate enough to be all state three sports at, um, at Montgomery Bell Academy. I was football wrestling and track. Uh, I was a, a thrower in track. I, I didn't run. And, um, then went on to the University of Tennessee, played a little football there, was the fullback on the 98 national championship team, as you mentioned, got to be captain of the team, and then uh, had a sip of coffee in the pros. Uh, I got my NFL PA number, uh, and I got to be in training camp, but I blew my knee out in training camp, which I thought at the time was uh, the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And it felt like that for about six months. And then through that difficulty, uh, was birthed this business called D1. I wrote a business plan while I was laid up about a place to train athletes just like I had trained at the University of Tennessee, uh, where you could have expert coaches, uh, you could have someone coach you through nutrition, uh, motivating environment, uh, the loud music, all the great things that I love. And that's what I set out to create. So opened my first location with just some grit and rawness and uh, terrible business practices. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm embarrassed. And then opened my second location and third location. And um, my second location failed miserably. <laughs> my uh, third location did really well. And it was right about that time, I took a mental shift to going, I'm no longer a football player running a business. I'm a, I'm a businessman and football was just part of my past. And that's a real identity crisis, I think, for just any athlete, just to be honest with you. 
because you've done so much of it in your life. Anyway, so I made this pivot and start scaling the business. And uh, one of the things I knew, I, I did know this. I knew that I didn't know everything. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a good. I'm very coachable. Um, and one of the things I pride myself in is is uh, surrounding myself with really smart people that have done it, done it better than me, and taking some of their business practices and applying them to to my business and being able to scale. And so, anytime you hit a plateau in the business, I would always kind of level up that way, um, if you will. I would try to get my skill set around some amazing people to up my skill set. You know, we, we, we had a, a great run. Um, I scaled the business from 2001 when it was formed to 2015 to 32 corporate locations. We owned, we owned almost all the real estate. Um, and in 2015, we sold a chunk of the real estate to a couple different REITs. And the main reason for that is we, we pivoted because we had a, a physical therapy business that had really exploded and, and was doing really well that we had launched in 2012. So fast forward, that happened in 2015. In 2017, we were sitting there with uh, two very large businesses, one lot bigger than the other, but the therapy business was the larger business and the gym business was a smaller business. And um, had a great mentor look at me and say, which one is your passion? And I said, the gym business, the gym business, the gym business. And even though he goes, hey, this is where your bread's buttered is the therapy business. I said, and I, I, this is my passion. And so I uh, made that strategic decision to sell that business in 2017 and pour gasoline on the on the gym business. We repackaged the gym business as a, as a true franchise business, which franchising in and of itself is a whole different beast and model that I had to learn in 2017. We relaunched it in 2018 and God is just really blessed, uh, even through COVID, uh, which is crazy. So uh, busy time at D1 fine scaling a business and uh it's exciting man we got we got some amazing things and a lot of wind at our back man yeah will what you said about being coachable is so key that is a big key to success for any leader and you're also a man of firm beliefs and strong conviction i gotta know where did that come from why is that such a cornerstone of who you are and what you do yeah it's a it's a loaded question i'll try to i'll try to break it down like somewhat systematically in my brain um I mean, it, it all starts with my mom and my dad. My my dad was uh, a West Point man who served served uh, our country over in Vietnam, and he was just a man of if you set your mind to it, you can accomplish anything you want it. And that's the way he lived his life. built built a big business himself. And then my mom was an ordained minister, or is sorry, she's is an ordained minister, and um, she just she uh, she drove the Bible into us. And so, uh, anytime you're reading a ton of scripture about faith and belief, it starts birthing these, these seeds inside of you. And I learned very early on that if you set your mind to it, that you could accomplish it. Um, and I learned that, I learned that in an early, early stage. And then it's funny as you grow up because you start having some successes and you start leaning just on your own knowledge. One of the things that I found, um, uh, uh, I found a lot of um, strength in is when other people would believe in me. I truly believe that beliefs uh, shape who you are. I still do it today, and I'm I'm hoping my kids gather some of that and, and are living that as well. Okay, and so for those beliefs, for you, they really come from confidence anchors in your past, including time spent as a wrestler as a young man. 
Yeah. <laughs> I laughed. Y'all, y'all will find this funny. I tried to quit wrestling. It was so hard. I think wrestling, uh, from a mindset standpoint, from a mental toughness standpoint, uh, was more ben- beneficial to my life than football. I really mean that. More beneficial to my life than football. Um, and I played football a lot longer. Uh, what wrestling did for me was um, I, I had a little bit of success uh, my junior year. Um, and my dad met with my wrestling coach and said, and next thing I know, fast forward to the summer, I'm on a plane to, uh, Iowa to go to Dan Gable's intensive wrestling camp. You know, they test your will and a lot of people quit. And then when you come out of there, um, I came back with a mindset of, I can never be beat. You will never beat me. I've worked harder than you. And he, he embodied that and he carried that with all of his wrestlers and the camp was amazing. Anyway, so fast forward, I'm um, I'm wrestling in uh, the state championship. I was wrestling a guy uh, who I hadn't wrestled before. He was 58 and 0, never lost. And I'm a football player. I, I had committed to the University of Tennessee. I had decided to come out for wrestling late because I was doing my recruiting trips. So they do the big announcements like right before, right? Spotlight on the mat, 10,000 people. And they're doing the announcements before and they're you know, they're saying all his stats, 58, no, all these tournaments that he won, blah, 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 blah. And, um, for me out, I, I had a belief and I knew that I was going to go in there and win. And so, uh, my, my wrestling coaches and, and I came with this little plan. So, um, while they're doing the announcements, they say, and Will Bartholomew, you know, he's only, only, only wrestled 21 matches with zero defeats this year. And he's also the winner of the Cheekwood Arts Festival. And he also placed third in the debate contest. A little self-deprecation coming out there because I wanted that that mental advantage of him going in there and know that, hey, I don't care. I basically was poking fun at, at him a little bit. And um, I had this belief going into it that I knew I was going to win. I had, I had studied. I had prepared for that moment uh, for months because I knew I was going to meet him. And when I met, when I met him, I knew it was like, as soon as we walked on the mat, I knew it was over. Okay. And so you developed a lot of confidence anchors during your time at Tennessee as well, personally, and then also as a team on your way to that championship, right? Yeah, there were a couple pivotal moments. I mean, one in particular that if, if there's some fan, some people that might remember 1998, um, it was actually in the fall of 97, we played Arkansas. Arkansas was great, right? Great team. Uh, and we we had a pastor um, do chaplain before and he, he preached on, on belief and you never give up hope and you believe and you believe all the way to the moment. And I can't remember the scripture should be better prepared. Um, uh, the pastor's name was Rice Brooks and he gave us, he gave everybody a little scripture and we go out there games kind of back and forth. They get the ball, uh, with and all they gotta do is just run out the clock like game's over right we're like out of timeouts i think we might be at one or something like that but the game's pretty much over and everybody on that sideline to a man believed that we were going to still win the game that something was going to happen and i'll never forget where everybody was all like quoting that scripture and they're like jumping up and jumping up and down um and clint sterner fumbled the ball with he gave us the ball back at about the 50-yard line, and we, and we marched down and scored at the last minute. 
And I'll never forget it because it was one of those moments. That's kind of the punchline of what happened, but the moment on the sideline of there, everyone believed we were going to win. Nobody was going, woe is me, or oh, we lost. We were going to win the national championship. Now we're not. Everybody knew we were going to still win. And just that belief and that mindset uh, really helped carry us through. Um, because I, I'll never forget because they fumbled the ball uh, and our offense coordinator looks at us and goes, we're running the ball down their throat. We're not even putting it in the air. And we only had like a minute and 30 left. And we ran the ball 50 yards and punched it in for, you know, for the for the go-ahead win. Yeah, it was a pivotal game. Uh, I think, I, I want to say that they were ranked ahead of us. It was maybe like two versus four. And we went on, we were undefeated that year and won it. Yeah, that was, that was a, a pivotal moment and just a, you know, a belief that really came to reality in the moment. Like, whoa, like this is backs against the wall. Everything's over. I mean, another cool moment, I guess, from college, I'll give you this one. Uh, it was, I was in the weight room. Um, I was a weight room guy, hence why I'm in the business that I'm in. And uh, was in there, you know, it was 30 minutes past the, the team workout or whatever, and everybody was gone. And I'm in there still working and pumping some iron and uh i had a, a senior captain so i'm a freshman um i had a senior captain come up to me and and he looked me in the eyes and he goes hey you know you know what you're gonna be and i was like what you know i'm sitting there thinking you know like he's gonna make fun of me or something he's a senior and he said you're gonna be the captain of this team i go why why would you say that and he said because if you keep doing what you're doing and he goes, that is going to become reality because everybody sees it already. And for me, that was a moment of going, and it just just goes with the power of words and how much influence we all have in other people's lives, like and how you could speak um, something prophetic into someone's life. And I, I never forgot it. I never forgot it. And I and I look at those moments now, like when I see stuff, I'm like, man, don't when you think it and you know it's something amazing, you need to speak that over somebody's life because they'll take that. And, and make it reality. And to your point about uh, it's not some it's not some detailed business plan. It's just hey, when you can vision that you're actually going to be there, that's when it happens. It's amazing. So, Will, man, walk us through the transition from college to pro. It's a we know it's a very small percentage of people that ever get that chance. And you sort of had to redefine what was possible for yourself and your game when it came time to make that jump. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was like a massive transition for me as as a human being. I mean, I, there was a little bit of mental shift of going, "Hey, I'm a you know, it's a you bec- it becomes very um, it's more business than like team oriented than colleges." But that wasn't a mental shift because I was like, "Just do what do what you've done before to be successful," and that's what I did. Like I got there, I was the guy late in the weight room and. You know, the coaches would pull me aside and go, hey, you're going to make this team. Keep doing what you're doing. And like I had I had all of that stuff lined up and then God threw me through, <laughs> uh, through a little bit of a twist. Um, and so I'm running down the field. And so they, they had cut the the guy behind me. They had cut the guy ahead of me. So and I'm 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 coming into this going, man, I'm getting I'm getting first team reps, second team reps and and. I'm on um, two special teams. I'm like, I'm going to play a lot, right? And I'm thinking in my mind, like, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep having a great attitude and working hard. And I'm running down the field on air. I cut in my knee tears and my quad tears. 
it, it was a little bit like, you know, like I can, if I compared it to business, it would be like, get ready to like, I don't know, sell your business for a ton of money and the, and the buyer just walks away. That was a big mental shift. It took me, and there were, I mean, it, you know, it did. I mean, it took me a good six months plus to like mentally get out of going, you know, why didn't this become reality? And then I think um, there's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way. And, and that's really what I was going through at, at the time is that I had this huge obstacle in my way. Taking that and using that as um, a, a time to create a business plan, a time to soul searching, who do I want to become 10 years from now, 15 years from now, um, those type of things. And so, you know, for me, that that moment was so pivotal um, that it really set my life on a different trajectory, you know. Um, and so I was able to start my business earlier. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Um in my early twenties, it was tough. Like it was, I put in, a, I mean, I'm still putting in a ton of hours, but you kind of fall in love with it. Like I, but at the time it was like, man, like all my other buddies are out playing NFL football and I'm getting up at 5 AM and working till nine at night and I'm making like 30,000 a year. Like this sucks, you know? And so for me, that was, uh, it was just once again one of the things you had to you had to get your mindset of going, what do I want to be and who do I want to become? And then really envisioning that and believing that. We all wish or we all hope for that you're able to identify your pain points ahead, right? So you can address them. Right. Um I, I use that for business. So it's you know, we just I just got out of quarterly planning for my business and like we're trying to identify pain points ahead of time. So that way we can address them you know, this quarter, so we don't run into a real problem down the road. And the reality is, is that uh, life sometimes deals you with pain points that you, you never see coming and you can't even expect it. And so it's all how you respond to it, i.e. a pandemic. Tell, tell us about that. You're, you're in an industry where you truly need to redefine possible in order to survive. Yeah. So man, it's funny how once again, God kind of lines things up. So one of the pain points we had back, I'm going to go fall of 2019 that we identified was we have a lot of athletes that go in season and quit paying their dues and their fees, and we're not able to service them. An idea was first to create a program called D1TU. D1TU is uh, coaching accountability via Zoom call that we use. We have a couple of tools. We have a workout app tool and we have a nutrition app tool. And then we have a script that our coaches follow. So we created this in fall of 2019. We beta tested it over the winter and then the pandemic hits. And so I think it was March 27th or the, the week sports stopped, which was like a Friday. They announced all the sports were stopping. I came out on our, um, our national big live call, live Zoom call with um, all our owners and partners. And I came out and said, well, this this is a great opportunity because for us, this is the greatest off season this nation, this world has ever seen. So that tagline spun into, okay, how are you going to address it? Fast forward by that Friday, the, the following Friday, I think it was March 27th, we launched D1 to you. So within a week. So what we did was on the, 
on the you know first of April, we had all forty three locations mandated to shut down. So the entire business was shut down. And we went to our owners and we said, "Here's the way you're going to do this. You're going to um, you're going to reach out via email, texting, and you're also going to have your co- your coaches and staff call every single individual member that you have, and offer them. They've been coming in large group training. You're going to offer them D one to you. They'll stay on paying, which is in a one on one setting for the same price. So all of a sudden they go from large group to one on one." which is a higher premium value where you paid a lot more if you paid one-on-one training in the gym. And let's see how many people take. We had a little over 70% take. Uh, so only 30% pause um, system-wide. So, and that was in the month of April. We were able to start opening back up. In the month of May, this is an interesting stat. So March system revenue of 43 locations. Same locations in May that were opening up um, they staggered opened up some opened the first week second week third week right we just took global revenue we were 17 percent higher in may than we were in march it was crazy and we really dove into and i think that's one of the reasons we really won during 08 9 10 too is because we really took some of the stuff that was birthed i mean look not some of it a lot of the stuff that was birthed with you which was our sales processes and system and how to how to what we call now a prescription sale, which is how do we prescribe you into the right workout program that you need to get you to where you want to go, your goal. And so here's the even more amazing step. Because of that, we were able to dive into these best business practices. We identified this pain and really leaned in. Most of our locations kind of went double down on market on marketing while a lot of a lot of uh, gyms, you know, are cutting their budgets and everything. We're like, hey, let's go garner the market. June compared to our biggest month of the year. So biggest month of the year, which was February for us. So system revenue, 43 locations, 43 locations and actually only 41 open in June. So 43 in, in February, 41 in, uh, in June, we were up revenue wise 24% system revenue. Just, just to your point about belief and mindset and overcoming overcoming beliefs. We do a lot of that. You know, we do a lot of that with our franchisees. We hold all in owners calls every week and we discuss, you know, what beliefs are tearing you down. And uh, it's funny that um, we're talking about this because this is so much of who I am. I mean, I have a journal right here and every day I have uh, 21 beliefs that I read to myself that I've created for myself. And they're new beliefs. They're new beliefs because I'm always trying to break my old one. You know, these are personal, right? So when when I say these, you have to understand the context. So these are beliefs that you might not think of yourself that you're trying to like uproot and, and I would call it um, redo the hardwiring inside of our hearts and inside of our brains. And so one of the things uh, I'm dealing with, I'll just use one for my kids. I have three kids. You know, one, one of the one of the beliefs I have for my kids, one of my beliefs right now um, is that my kids would become the best version of themselves. I use one for business um, and it's funny how these get ingrained in you. So there was a point in my business career where I was getting super frustrated with my team because they weren't executing my vision. And ultimately <laughs> as owners and as uh, really all of us, all of us, you get what you tolerate, right? So if I'm, if I tolerate mediocrity, that's what I'm going to get. And so one of the things that um, I wrote down in my journal, I read this to my team I read this to myself every day and it's funny how these words start coming out of my mouth is that um, my team makes it look easy 
because they are world-class. Uh, I used to get these comments that my team, man, it's so hard to carry out your vision and do what you want to do. Now, now I say my team makes it look easy because they're world-class. And it's funny because I had like things that come up now, this gets regurgit- regurgitated to me. And one of my VPs the other day handled an issue and he's like, man, that was so easy. Will, what a powerful action-oriented practice that is. Thank you for sharing that. To wrap us up here, we have a very diverse group of listeners and many of them have been struggling with how they can begin to redefine possible in their own lives, maybe personally or maybe in business. So what advice would you have for all our listeners? First of all, thanks for thinking I'm qualified to give advice. <laughs> you know, two things that have, have, have really impacted me recently. First one is, is forgetting yourself. I think, um, you know, I grew up in the church and I used to envision, you know, I had to get God's forgiveness. And, and, and yes, yes, God plays a massive role. He is inside of us. God is, is all and is in all. So he is definitely inside of us. Um, but I think, I think us as business people, I think we do a, uh, we're really hard on ourselves. We think we should be perfect. And I think that's, I think you cannot get to where you're wanting to go if you're hard on yourself. You're just adding, it, it's like adding, it's like throwing rocks in your backpack. Like, why would you do that when you're trying to hike a mountain? So I would just, I would one, just give yourself permission to forgive yourself. You made bad business decisions or you've been dealt a bad hand or you've had a bad dealing. Like just be like, and and the way I do that is I get it on paper because it usually gets out of me. Like I write them all out. And and just so y'all know, I do this on a weekly weekly um, basis. I have a dedicated time every week, right? To all the crappy things I did. It just frees up so much bandwidth. It's like clearing out your hard drive on your computer. And so forgive yourself. So that's number one. And then, the second thing, which is a, it, which is a difficult, it's, this sounds so simple, but it's really difficult to do is be able to define where you want to go. So let's just use, let's just use money. Cause that's an easy one, right? Like, you know, I want to have $10 million and you try to not just envision the cash in your bank, but like what all comes with that and the feelings and emotions and everything else. I use my kids. I have my kid becoming the best version of themselves and envisioning, you know, my son who's wanting to be an actor, you know, getting that acting job and what those feelings and emotions and the proud moments I'm going to have. And then getting yourself, like when, when you get, when you kind of know what those are, here's the hard part. The hard part is, can you get yourself mentally and physically to actually feel like it actually was manifested in his hat? And for me, uh, like when I get there, that's when everything starts happening. And I think the exact same thing with business, my big moments in business and, you know, we had, had a couple of them, but like my big moments in business, I've been, I've, I had been there three years before. And so like, I'm envisioning things right now that I get, like, I get emotional about it. Like if you start talking about it and you were to hit one of those nuggets, I get super emotional because I've already been there and I know what's coming and I get so excited about it. And so if you can mentally get yourself there, it's amazing how God lines things up. And how those little moments add up and it becomes what you dreamed of. Love it, Will. Man, you have inspired a lot of people today. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, man. I love it. Thank you guys inspire me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.